Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. For those of you who haven't listened to last week's podcast with Zach Maritas, go listen to it. Seriously, now, stop listening. Start there first. Zach is the founder and CEO of Teamworks, which is an athlete engagement platform currently working with over 100 professional sports teams and 200 full college athletic programs to be their student athlete hub. They manage their schedules, communication, itineraries, academics, nutrition, and so much more. It is the platform being used to organize athletic departments and professional sports teams. It's incredible. They're growing massively, and Zach, as a former student athlete and offensive lineman at Duke, is so incredibly passionate and informative. If you're not convinced, I'll give you one more nugget, one concept of many that Zach shares during his awesome podcast interview that just has stuck in my mind, and I think he articulated so well. I asked him about what he looks for when he's hiring, and he said, I want to hire confident people. Confident people put in the work and know they are going to win because they put in the work. Arrogant people just expect to win, and we don't want arrogant people. Now, picture this coming out of a six foot six, 290 pound former offensive lineman. And trust me when I say this, you are going to feel fired up and ready to put in the work. So go listen to that show coming up later this week, Wednesday, the godfather of sports business. Seriously, I think you must kiss his ring before getting into the sports industry. Dr. Bill Sutton. For those of you who don't know Doc Sutton, he's been a columnist for the Sports Business Journal for I don't know, decades. He's the smartest, most connected guy in the sports biz that I know. And more importantly, he is the most passionately supportive of his people. As someone who's worked in academia, who's launched programs, who's mastered the art of teaching the sports business, especially on the marketing and sales side, he has helped so many people get placed in the industry. And that's what has led to his incredible network. He's, he's seriously, he's trained the best in the industry from GMs to sales directors. And again, not just an academic, he's worked for David Stern in the NBA and countless other organizations as part of his side hustle consulting business. I don't think anybody's ever referred to Dr. Sutton as having a side hustle. So that makes me the first one quick story. He and I really hit it off. It's a great interview. And at the end, he said to me, that was a lot of fun. I loved your questions and the way our conversation went. So who else can I help get you to be on a, a guest on your show? Who else can I, who else can I help you get to be a guest on your show? Now I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I'm going to aim high. He's offering. So I said, um, well, would you happen to know Scott O'Neill? Who's the CEO of Harris Blitzer sports and entertainment, the owners of the Sixers and devils I really like his style. And uh, I'd love to interview him. No joke. Within 30 minutes of the completion of our interview, Dr. Sutton and I, Scott O'Neill emailed me to book a time. Now that that's legit power. Yeah, that's a great guest for the future. So pay attention for that. All right. That's enough puffery and getting things set up for the following weeks. Let's get into the stat line. Okay. Three stats as provided by workinsports.com, the leading job board for the sports industry. As you guys and gals all know, you've been hurting me, hearing me talk about it for years now. We have stat number one. 22,948. All right. Unfortunately, that means the streak is over. At 12 straight weeks of job growth on our job board, we are down 0.03% this week. 
seriously, we're down 0.03%. That's ridiculous. Like that's going to break the streak is that we're down by that minimal of amount of job, total jobs posted on our job board. But again, I can't emphasize this enough. Our competitors are out there bragging. They have 2000 jobs. We've got 23,000. So bring it. Let's go. Stat number two. 2,950. That's how many jobs we added just in the last week in the sports industry. That's a lot of jobs. And stat number three, that means it's an average of 421 new, fresh sports jobs added every single day of the week. Okay, three jobs. This is totally subjective. Three jobs that I find interesting because really this is all about me. Just kidding. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to share. I'm trying to educate all of you into what's happening in the industry. And the best way to do that sometimes is by looking at specific jobs and saying, whoa, that's cool. So let's start with that. Number one, speaking of Harris Blitzer, Scott O'Neill, they are hiring a social media manager for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I'm a Celtics fan. Don't tell Scott. But I can still acknowledge this is an amazing sports job. The social media manager is responsible for implementing the social media strategy and managing and overseeing all Philadelphia 76ers social media accounts, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and more. This professional will help create, develop, produce, and distribute engaging digital and social content and activations. That is awesome. Now, if you listen to the podcast interview with Shabazz Khan, who is the social media manager or digital marketing manager, and I think he is a social media manager's actual title. He might be director of social media now. Anyway, he works for the Minnesota Timberwolves and he loves his job. But one of the cool things he did in order to get hired by the Timberwolves was he set up a, not a fake account, not a pretend account, but he set up a parallel account of the Minnesota Timberwolves and literally live tweeted how he would in the job for a week leading up to his interview. So if you're going to try to get this job with this uh, social media manager for the Philadelphia 76ers, you're going to be facing that same kind of competition. I'd do something similar. I would. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Go out there and show how you would do it. Then you have proof of concept when you go into that interview, and that's a differentiator. Okay, job number two. Cascade Maverick Lacrosse, a subsidiary of Bauer Hockey, is hiring a promotions coordinator. Now, again, jobs in sports are not just with teams. You gotta understand that there's so many businesses created that are that are shoulder businesses to sports. It's a shoulder to the events themselves or the teams themselves. This is one of them. Cascade Maverick Lacrosse, a subsidiary of Bauer Hockey. They're, this job, as a promotions coordinator, is working primarily from their lacrosse office and production facility in Liverpool, New York. They will This role will strategize, coordinate, and execute all activations, events, and promotional opportunities throughout the year, which means you get travel to PLL weekends, showcases, store visits, conventions, grassroots events while managing a seasonal team, all promotional collateral, and truck trailer operations. That last little part there, truck trailer operations, kind of threw me for a loop, but the rest of it sounds awesome. I would know nothing about truck or trailer operations. Nonetheless, everything else, I mean, if you're into lacrosse and you're into marketing and you're into promotions, this sounds like an awesome gig. Go to PLL Games and kind of be the brand representative. Not bad. Check it out. Okay, number three. The Maine Mariners are hiring a coordinator of game presentation and merchandise. The Maine Mariners are an ECHL minor league hockey team affiliate of the New York Rangers. I will tell you, as a college kid, I went to a few Portland Pirates games, which were the predecessor of the Maine Mariners, also an ECHL team, and that they were the, uh, the affiliate of the Washington Capitals at the time, but I'm getting off track. It's a nice little arena there. I think it's Cross Insurance Arena in downtown Portland, Maine. 
Anyway, this position is responsible for game presentation elements, including but not limited to scripting, event production, and promotions, and the inventory, ordering, and selling of Maine Mariners merchandise. And their logo is pretty cool. So I actually could go, if anybody gets this job, I want you to send me a t-shirt. Side note, Portland, Maine is an underrated American city. And trust me, I've seen them all. If you like small city life on the coast, magnificent views, cool downtown, amazing lobster, this is a good gig. Carlton Roby, where are you? Where you at? That's my main guy. And that is the stat line. All right, let's get into today's question, which comes to us from Amy in Boston. Fun fact, if I was a girl, I was going to be named Amy. I'll let you just ponder with that for a second. Why do these things pop into my head? I think I am insane. Okay, question from Amy. Hey, Brian, big fan of the podcast and your various articles. I feel like I've gone back through your archive so many times to answer my pressing career-focused questions. What I think is great is that your show isn't just about sports. It's about culture and decision-making and planning and strategy. I find it so informative. Amy, you get me. Like, you get me. Continue. My question is simple. This is Amy again. My question is pretty simple. I got pretty good at the career fair circuit in late 2019. I had a good flow, made lots of contacts, felt like I was on the edge of getting hired, and then, you know, stuff. I've seen and heard a lot about virtual career fairs, but am yet to attend one. Do you think they are worth it? And do you have any strategies surrounding them? Amy, I'll be honest, at first, my initial impression of virtual career fairs was that they kind of felt like a pivot for companies that used to rely on in-person career fairs, and they kind of just kept themselves busy and active, like, okay, well, we can't do this thing that's always been part of our job function, let's, uh, let's go virtual. And I was worried that they wouldn't be focused on the participant getting value, either as an employer or a candidate. But you know what? I was really wrong. What I didn't realize was that virtual career fairs have actually been around since about 2010. And that's, I mean, they've really mastered this kind of system and they've proven that it works. And this just ramped up a lot in 2020. So overarchingly, yeah, they're worth it. But let's explain why a little bit. First off, I'll admit I was wrong. My first impression was wrong. See, I can admit it. I have flawed theories sometimes. Neither Ivan Drago or I are machines. Yes, that was a Rocky IV reference, which is about 20 years past its relevancy date. But I love that movie still to this day. Okay, back to virtual career fairs. The data is in. More people attend virtual career fairs than in-person ones, even prior to the pandemic. And I literally did not realize that until I started researching for Amy's question so I could be prepared for this. Okay, they're really popular. So what does this mean? If employers are getting value, you can expect them to continue. There's appetite. They're working. They're going to keep happening, even after we solve this whole pandemic thing. And if they're going to continue, you should really have an approach and strategy, which is what you've asked for, Amy, and we will get there. So who are throwing these virtual shindigs? More and more companies are throwing these events into their recruiting mix because, like I said, the results have been strong. And with that comes expansion. We're seeing more local chambers of commerce and industry groups throwing virtual career fairs as well. It's not just a college career fair that kind of covers everything or, a, you know, whatever it may be. We're seeing specific groups holding virtual career fairs. And that makes sense, too. 
with the scalability, right? You're virtual, so you can really expand to f- really far reaches of the country. And the focus, you can really level, zero in on a very specific thing. It's easy to get employers to show up because they don't have to go anywhere. They can be right there. You, as an employer or a candidate, should really zero in on what makes sense. Don't go general, right? A virtual career fair held by a sports marketing organization is more likely to bear fruit for you than a virtual career fair hosted by the city of Houston. So that's one of the big advantages of virtual career fairs that you can really zero in. Don't just book up your calendar doing a bunch of virtual career fairs, really be specific about them. And another benefit before we get into the real strategy is the scheduling. Um, at a traditional in-person career fair, you may show up and there's a lot of people moving around everywhere. You got to find the right booth. You got to squeeze yourself into a conversation, crowbar yourself into, into attention and, and maybe get somebody's attention for a little bit, you know, or maybe be able to break out to a one-on-one side meeting, whatever. But it's not really all that guaranteed. And it can be kind of a battle, especially for those people that don't have that real extrovert personality. Well, at a virtual career fair, you can schedule time slots with employers and are either part of small groups or get one-on-one time to connect, inquire, impress, and network. No distractions, no fighting for time. The virtual career fair ends up being a cleaner, more connected experience for you. So there's a lot of benefits here that make it worth considering. Now, let's get into the plan part. Number one, do your homework first. Analyze, you're going to see a lot of virtual career fairs out there, right? A lot of people are going to lean into this process. Analyze each opportunity. Don't become like Edward Norton in Fight Club attending every support group he could find. Okay, that's my second old movie reference, but Fight Club is iconic, so it's okay. You with me on that? You better be. You should see that one. If you haven't, that's my free advice for your life. Okay, seriously, be selective, and that goes not just for the event, but for your time spent there as well. Virtual career fair is going to be set amount of time. So study the event, know the employers that are going to be there, and categorize them into groups. My suggestion, export the list of employers into a spreadsheet, add three columns, and label them extremely interested, moderately interested, and not interested. Put each employer into a group, read a little bit, do a little bit of research onto them and decide, is this somebody you're extremely interested in talking to, moderately interested or not interested? For those you are extremely interested in, try your best to schedule one-on-one time with them. Make that a priority, right? For moderately interested, maybe you're willing to do a group session where you can still be involved in something they're doing as a breakout with 50 people. For not interested, just ignore them. You really have to maximize the time you had. So don't wing it. Prepare, okay? Number two, watch or listen to the pre-event webinar. Look, I am not a read the entire instructions at Ikea type of guy. I tend to wing it a little more often than I should. But in an instance like this, which is important versus Ikea furniture, new It's new for you, not something you've done before, and it could lead to great career opportunities. I'd be a little bit more prepared for the experience. Most of the virtual career events have a pre-event, which will explain how things work day of, including will it be on Zoom? Will it be on Teams? Will it be on Skype, et cetera, right? You want to feel comfortable, not guessing, on the day of the event. So put in the time. Also, a lot of times, if you go to these pre-event webinars, they will allow you to, or if you register far in advance, they will allow you to publicly post your resume and LinkedIn profile, which means more companies may be able to 
understand or, or research you or recruit you even before that day of. So getting out there early is good. Okay, number three, this leads us to our tech question. Okay, no mobile devices. Get on your laptop or your desktop. No Wi-Fi. Get on a wired, stable connection. Have lighting on your face so recruiters can see you. If you have lighting behind you, it darkens out your face and it's hard to see the person they're talking to. If you're going to connect with them, you need lighting on your face. Have a good mic and a webcam. They don't need to be expensive. For 100 bucks, you can get a webcam microphone combo that will do a much better job than what your laptop's built in with. You also want to have Zoom, Skype, or Teams, or whatever they're using, set up and tested beforehand so that you don't have any panic moments or waste a moment of your time. Number four, this is my favorite piece of advice. Share on LinkedIn that you are going to attend the virtual career fair and you're excited to speak with X companies, right? Certain companies. Now, companies love to be mentioned on LinkedIn, but even more so, the people running the career fair will love to be mentioned as well, saying that you're going. That makes them seem important. They are likely to amplify what you post, giving you additional exposure. If you know a specific person at a specific company is going to be there, we'll connect with them in advance too. Tell them you're excited to speak further during the career fair, right? So I'll give you a for example. I've done about 300, no joke, panels, college speeches, and literally to thousands and thousands of people, literally one time, one time, someone pre hit me up, Max Chan, Max Chan sent me a note before a session. I'll read you the note. I don't think you'd mind. Hi, Brian. I will be attending today's professional development session hosted by Chris Grossi, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Hope to connect here as well and sending my best wishes. That little moment made an incredible, incredibly great first impression, not just with me, but with the other panelists as well. We actually all talked about it. We were like, hey, did you get that outreach from Max Chan? That was pretty cool. That's that extra little level. This was about a year ago that this happened, and I still remembered Max, no question. That's how you stand out a little bit. Go that little extra mile. Share that little extra nugget. Connect. Post that you are going to be at the conference. Mention a specific company you can't wait to talk to. If you can reach out to somebody specifically that you know is going to be there, do it. And tell them, I'm going to be at the conference. I hear that you're going to be there. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Can't wait to meet you more. Right? Those little things can make the difference. Good first impressions. Okay. Number five, eye contact in the camera. This is the problem on Zoom, Teams, any of them. I fall for it too. I'm not claiming to be great at this. Eye contact is when you look in the camera lens, not at the other person on the screen, not at you on the screen. I do this. I'm not criticizing anybody for doing it, but if you want to make real eye contact with the person you're talking to and seem like you're connecting with them, you have to look in a strange plot spot. You're not looking at them. You're looking at your camera and that does make all the difference. Okay. Number six, have your follow-up questions ready, prepared in advance. You are going to be interviewing them in this process as well. It's just like any other interview. It's just like any other informational interview. It's just like any other networking opportunity. Okay. Have your questions ready. And the best thing you can do, because you can't do this at an in-person uh, career fair, the best thing you can do is have sticky notes all around you. 
put them on the edge of your camera, put them around your outside of your laptop screen, refer to them easy without breaking eye contact or briefly breaking eye contact. It really makes you come off more professional that you've got these questions well thought of. You don't have to go hunting through papers or looking around or chasing notes. You just glance quickly and it can spark you to ask the question you want to have next. Those are the lasting impressions that you will make that are so important. Number seven, follow up and connect build the relationship. So if you met, if you followed up, if you connected with them before the event, def, definitely continue that after, continue the conversation, say thank you, uh, recite something that you learned from your conversation, give something specific in there, and that deepens that relationship and it continues it going. If you didn't connect with them pre, because maybe you didn't even know they were going to be there and you met them that day, um, follow up, connect, be involved in their vision, you know, like share their posts, comment on their posts, read what they're sharing, build that relationship, work at it. This is step one to building your network in a, in a company that you may really want to work for. And sometimes these moments take time. You got to put in the effort to make it continue. Number eight, this is where I go old school. And I get laughed at sometimes for this piece of advice, but I'm telling you, it works. Send cards have a set of cards, write thank you cards. When I say write, I mean write. I don't mean email. These are not email cards. These are not some form you fill out that gets fulfilled by some company. Write a card, say thanks, cite something that you learned from them during their conversation, talk about your excitement level to continue getting to know them, appreciate what they were able to lend to the conversation, send it in the mail, and they're gonna get it three days later. And that's going to be a warm reminder of the conversation they had with you. And that will differentiate you against the crowd. If you do these kind of things, you're going to stand out for the right reasons. And that's what we're always aiming for. We want you to be different than everybody else. We want you to be a little bit more prepared and more impactful and more noticeable. And that's what these advice, pieces of advice are trying to do. Set you up for success. So pay attention to these if you're going to get into the virtual circuit. And if you go to a virtual career fair, I want to hear about it. I want to hear your firsthand experience. So join our Facebook group, search for the Work and Sports Podcast on Facebook, and share some of your virtual career fair experiences because I haven't gone to one personally. I want to hear what it's like. I want to hear what you're learning out of it as well. And that will inform the advice we can give to others as well. Connect with me on LinkedIn. We can have the conversation there if you'd prefer. I want to learn about your experiences at virtual career fairs, what you liked, what you didn't and where you see them going uh, and your favorite platform for it. All these things are up for conversation. I want to learn from all of you that are experiencing it as well. But I'm telling you, these are the these are the techniques. These are the strategies that are going to set you up for success. And, and if you execute these, you'll be in a really good position. These are taken from traditional marketing approaches and use this because you're marketing yourself. That's what you're doing. You're marketing yourself. Keep that in mind. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please tune in to Dr. Bill Sutton on Wednesday. Go back and listen to Zach Moritas. I'm telling you, it's one of the best interviews we've ever had. I believe that. I know I say it a lot, but this is one of my all-time favorites. And he did swear a little bit. I hope that's okay with you. Earmuffs for all the kids. Uh, thank you, everybody. I will see you next week. Or I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>